1: Mate, let's move into the forward pack, the engine room. Uh, My front rowers will start there. I went for Payne Haas as my first one. He's been out for uh, a couple of weeks, but I just think that his stats and everything have been incredible, no doubt about it. But the positions that he's putting himself into, where he's cleaning up kicks and in goals, he's making try-saving tackles in spots that, um, you know, if a center was there, you'd be impressed. For a front rower to be there, uh, it's just unbelievable. Did Payne Haas walk into your side? He
0: did, Guru, and look, seven games. Let's keep in mind um, three of those he was injured with an AC joint shoulder and playing through pain. 17 hit-ups a game for 182 metres and 36 tackles a game at 98 efficiency. Whether you focus on, like you said, the little things that he's doing off the ball and the positions he's putting himself in and the effort plays, whether you want to focus on that aspect of his game or you want to focus on the stats that I just put forward, he's the best prop. There's no argument about it. Um, he's still so young. I got the feeling a few years ago that he is going to be the petrol or the web key of this generation. Um, if it, I know when a is in their first or second year, it sounds stupid to start comparing him to the greats, But just from what we've seen, if he can keep this up across his career, genuinely, he could retire as the greatest prop we've ever seen.
1: And, mate, I, I, I know that you just said he could be the Webki or, or the seven receiver of this generation. And, you know, Webki and seven receiver were great front rowers. But I look at Webki and seven receiver and they were doing the same things that Glenn Lazarus and Blocker were doing 10 and 15 years before that. And they were doing the same things that the guys were doing 10 and 15 years before that. Little adjustments. I don't think there's ever been a bigger adjustment for a guy in a position than what Payne Haas has done. The stuff that he is doing, that we're complimenting him for, respectfully to Seven Receiver, respectfully to Webke, all these sort of guys, and granted it was a different game back then to what it is now, but they couldn't have even imagined doing the stuff that he's doing. The game has changed, I understand that, and it's not a negative on Seven Receiver and Lazarus, but when you're looking at what Haas is doing right now, Mate, he's just – he has – he. I, I actually don't think he's changed the position because I don't think guys are going to be able to emulate what he has done. I really don't. I think it's going to be similar to when Jamie Lyon was playing center and he turned it into a second 5'8", but no one else was able to emulate what Jamie Lyon was doing, so no one copied him, and it sort of died with him. I don't think we're going to see anyone that's ever going to be as smart as Cameron Smith and be able to play the game that he's able to play. I think Harry Grant will be the second-best hooker we've ever seen. But you can see that just between the ears, he doesn't have what Cameron Smith has. He probably has more than anyone else, but there's such a gap between Harry Grant and what Cameron Smith's able to do. It is the start of Grant's career, obviously. But, mate, what Payne Haas is able to do with the ball and in defence, the extra effort plays, he is honestly like no one else we have ever seen in the front row before.
0: Yeah, you know what? To to sort of add to that take as well, when when you started that take, I started to think in my mind, which were the players that evolved all these positions? Because you can go back and pinpoint um, throughout history of our game when a position has sort of evolved. And then when you add the Jamie Lyon thing, I started to think, and, it, and it's clear, the stuff that Payne does can't be replicated. You can try to replicate it, but you just, you, you just no one is really works as hard as him. No one's a great athlete as him. No other prop is working as hard as him. And look, I think the Broncos might have added a little bit GST to this story in the fastest category. But they do say he is the fittest, he is the strongest, and he is the fastest at the club. Look, I, I can't get around the fastest. So I'd have to think Herbie Farmworth would have him covered. But look, pound for pound, he'd be the fastest. Pound for pound, he'd be the fittest in the game. And pound for pound, he might be the strongest in the game. So it, it's just crazy just to think that one player could dominate all three of those categories.
1: And yeah, you know what? You, you, you're probably spot on. I can't see Herbie or Stags losing a race to... Um... To this guy, Payne Haas, but name me another front rower ever that you would have in your top five fastest players at your club. I mean, I could probably extend it out to top 10, and you wouldn't be able to find someone. So, just another example, despite maybe uh, the Broncos are putting a bit of mail on that, you can understand why he'd be in the top 10 or so. And for a front row forward, that is unbelievable. Once again, Take me to the Broncos. In 2006, they had the two premier front rowers in rugby league, Shane Webke, Petra, seven receiver. You put them in a race. I don't think they finish in the top 20 of the squad, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree. And then to add to that as well, I, I, I'd ask the next question. Name me a prop that would be the fittest over a, you know, a 15-kilometer marathon or a 5-kilometer race. Uh, typically, you'd expect the backs to win that one, right? Your halves, your fullbacks. And half, by reports, is winning that. At the Broncos, which is, uh, I just I can't fathom it because props typically come on, they play thirty minutes and have a break. He can play the full eighty. He can beat these backs in marathons. He has a, a drive in rugby league we haven't seen before, and I just I know it's crazy, but I just I can't see why the Broncos would not pay him one million for those reasons. A lot of people, Guru agrees, Haas is worth seven fifty k. All right, so let's say seven fifty k. Paynehouse wants a mil. Broncos, all right, let's, let's lose him. Let's not pay the extra 250K. Now I want the Broncos to go to the market and sign me two props that will add more value for $1 million in a salary cap than Payne Half does. I don't think you could name two players that could have the same impact for $1 million, such is the impact of Payne half. And I don't want to be, I'm not trying to be disrespectful with that to other forwards in the league, but I just think that's the reality. For $1 million that you'd pay Payne half, you couldn't buy two props that would deliver the same impact.
1: And you mentioned um, the running and the marathon and and how how, how fit he is. The stuff that is sports-specific to what Payne Haas does and the role that he has to play, the thing that ties out front rowers the most, and it's something that I do when I'm coaching my under-16 teams, I keep track of how many times my front rowers end up on the ground because that's what takes it out of them. It's standing back up after getting on the ground. Right now, the objective when you are tackling in the NRL is to get them on the ground and to win the wrestle on the ground. You watch how good Payne Haas is in that area. That's what takes it out of front rowers. It's getting to the ground and standing up You know, 14 to 20 times in the time that they're on the field. And it's genuinely, if you start to watch it with players, you watch the guys, when when front rowers have to spend a lot of time getting up and off the ground, they're big bodies. It takes a lot out of them. That's where they get tired. It doesn't impact Haas at all. He just keeps on going, and you watch the amount of times he makes sure that his tackle goes to the ground and he wins it on the ground to win his team that extra second or two. He is just a genetic freak what he is able to do. He's incredible. Mate, my other front row, a bit of a controversial one here. He's been wearing 13 this year, but I'll fucking eat my hat if he's a lock forward. I think Jason Tamalolo, Ruben Cotter's been playing that sort of 13 role for me. Um, Tamalolo, I think that probably hasn't got the wraps that he's deserved so far this year. The Cowboys are going well and everyone's talking about the halves and the full back and the outside backs that are going great. Where's Hammer going to fit in? And Tamalolo... Let's be honest here in a forward pack that, I mean, Jordan McLean, Cohen Hess, Griffin Neem, these two young back rowers are doing fantastic things. But the vast majority of times, they're scoring tries off kicks every single fucking week. Tao Malolo, he is just grinding his way through work each and every week. I absolutely love the way that he's gone this year. Have you gone for him or have you got a different front rower?
0: I've got a different front row, but I, I do have to question. Do you see any reason why the Cowboys keep naming Reuben Cotter in the 10 and Tom Malolo in 13?
1: Mate, I I, I don't know. I. It, it's a weird one. I just think that that's the position that Tom Malolo has played for all these years, and I, I honestly think he might just want to keep That 13 jersey, the the front rowers jersey has a bit of a stigma to it. Maybe Tal Malolo um, isn't a huge fan of that. I think I heard Scope saying during the week that when you're wearing 8 and 10, you just feel uh, a a little bit more fat. So he might just like the 13 jersey. And I'll tell you what, the other thing about that situation is if you gave Ruben Cotter jersey 35, he wouldn't blink at you. He couldn't fucking care less. So... I, I don't look into it at all. I just I, I just think it is what it is. it doesn't impact them at all. Uh, but yeah I think it is a bit bizarre that they don't just switch it around. I also think that for Tao Malolo and I think his management would be well aware that as soon as he puts on that eight or 10 jersey that drops his value. Uh, and that's crazy to say, but it genuinely does. You look at the way that we treat 13s in rugby league right now, and you look at the, the value that they bring to football teams, and we consider them as part of their spine now. As soon as you put that 8 and 10 jersey on, you do drop a little bit, in my opinion. It's like going from a fullback to a winger or a centre uh, out to a winger.
0: Yeah, that does add context to it. And for what you said there, I can't really see any other reason why not, because they are playing opposite roles to what their jerseys suggest, really. Uh, my other prop group I'm with Adam Fanua blake from the Warriors. Probably not getting too, as much credit as he deserves because the Warriors have been so poor, but averaging 146 run metres, um, tackling at 96% efficiency, getting through a load of work there at the Warriors, and without a doubt, he's their best forward. He's their forward leader. Um, he is, for me, the clear second best to Payne Um I, I know there's been a lot of other props this year that have really, really impressed me, um, but it, I will make a bold call there that I think Anthony Blake is the clear second-best choice for me.
1: Mate, I think that the way that the Warriors have been using AFB this year has been... Uh, very smart. For me right now, he's one of the best decoys in rugby league. You see Sean Johnson, the way that he uses him in general play quite often, where he'll pull him out of the middle and he'll drag him onto an edge. And, you know, he might want to get Josh Curran or Ewan Aitken the ball. So he puts Adam Fenua Blake in between himself and the guy that he wants to get the ball to. You saw Jesse Arthurs. When he was on a real tear in the first few weeks scoring tries, it was because of the way that Sean Johnson was using AFB. He was putting him in unusual spots. And what it means is that your defense, if I'm a halfback or a center and I'm looking up and I'm going, holy fuck, I've got Adam Fanoa Blake in front of me. I need to have eyes on him. He essentially draws in two defenders every time. And you keep an eye on the Warriors, how they're using AFB when they get into good ball. They've done it a couple of times to and 8 and they've done it to Josh Curran a few times. Uh, and Jesse Arthurs has scored a few tries off it too. So the sort of stuff that doesn't show up in stats sheet. Uh, but yeah, he, he, he's been really good so far, AFB. I'll be honest with you, I actually thought this year was going to be this unbelievable breakout season for AFB. So I've probably put the pedestal a little bit too high for him, for what I was anticipating. Uh, But he has been very fucking good this season. I love the way that they're using him. Mate, other front rowers... um I honestly reckon there was probably two or three guys from Parramatta that could have made it if the other two or three weren't in their team at the Eels. I think Junior Borlo, he's been great. Regan Campbell-Gillard has been sensational. Uh, I think Takiyaho over at the Chooks in a forward pack that's really struggling. I think he's doing well. Mate, David Clemmer over the last three weeks at the Newcastle Knights, he has been going absolute gangbusters. I think a guy that got injured that I thought was playing career best footy was Hamlin ULA down at the Cronulla Sharks in a real star studded side of, you know, your Finucans, uh, your Rudolphs, these sort of guys are all going good. I thought Hamlin ULA was great. And my last one that I had written down here from the Manly Seagulls, Josh Elliott, he scored a try last weekend, which was all good and well, but. The work that he's been doing when he's on the field has been second to none so far this season.
0: Yeah, I had Brayden hamlin Ueli in my uh, most surprising lineup of 2022 yep. last round. I, I just was really surprised at his home. I knew he was a quality rep-level player, but I thought he went to another level this year. I've named a couple other props, and as you said, there's so many different options you could go with here. couldn't go past the Eels front row combo of RCG and Junior Barlow. Um They've just laid a platform for the years. majority of the weeks they've played it has been incredible. Joseph Tarpany from the Raiders, I think he's getting through a ton of work. Yep. He's probably even playing better than Josh Papali at um, present. Paul Vaughan from the Doggies, he sits top 10 in a lot of prop categories at the moment statistically, and maybe because he's playing for the Doggies we're not noticing it as much, but I think if you put him in a Storm system or a Panther system or something, you'd really notice it. And interesting because he is off contract from next year, so I wonder how that's shaping up with potential suitors. Um, and final prop I've really got to give credit to and, and really got to give credit to is Nelson Usoff of Solomona from the oh. Melbourne Storm. He is a freak, I think. Um, the Storm have these attacking weapons in their side, right, where in the 10-metre zone, whether you're attacking the try line, you don't want Brandon Smith to get it, and the other man you definitely don't want to get it is Nelson Ustoff of Solomona because they are just so hard to stop.
1: Mate, I've held Nass out because I just thought in the first few weeks he made a few too many errors, but if you look at the last... Five weeks, he's. I think at some point Craig Bellamy sat down with him and sort of said, "Look, we don't know when Tui Kamikame is going to be back. We know that Christian Welsh is going to be here for the rest of the year. Cheese isn't a starting prop. We need you to become the premier front rower that we that we, we've always known that you could be right now. And he really has just elevated his game now. Nah, it's it's a really good shout." Uh, mate, let's move... Can I just add to that Guru? Yeah. He, he, was actually,
0: he actually didn't have the pre-season because of the vaccination trouble, so I do wonder how much oh, of, of that course. could have been match fitness
1: as well. That's a very good shout. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, fuck it was looking grim at the start of the year. Like, as soon as Welsh went down, you were sort of sitting there going, ooh, I don't know what we're yeah. going to do here. It's, it's looking awful. Uh, mate, let's move to our hooker. Um, for me, uh, has to be Harry Grant. Could, could you possibly go? Anyone else at nine?
0: Look, I had a controversial take up until round seven, I believe it was, or round eight, and using the 3-2-1 structure from each game, I did have Damian Cook ahead, and I actually do have them sitting currently on the same amount of points. But that is sort of evidence that the 3-2-1 system that we use for the Dallium is a bit outdated because Harry Grant has, without a doubt, been the better player this year. What it comes down to in the in context of 3-2-1 is the other storm, Spine, Puppenhausen-Munster have been taking the threes and twos from him. So Harry Grant this year, seven games, two tries, nine tries, six, eight line break assists. And here's a stat that you probably won't see too often. At hooker, he's averaging 105 running metres, which just sort of shows how much he's getting out of dummy half and, 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 you know, taking those scoots, which is just invaluable to his team. Everything he does is so intelligent. Everything he does is so crafty. You can tell that he's trained under Cameron Smith and, Just for some context, I suppose, to the 105 running metres stats, Blake Bailey, he's having a great year in the Sharks' spine, which is thriving at the moment. He's averaging 45 running metres, so more than double for Harry Grant to add context, how significant that stat really is.
1: Yeah, and you obviously mentioned you had Damien Cook, the same amount of points, and I think we need to consider that um, here we are. We're now onto our hooker, so we've gone through 10 out of 13 spots. Think about the amount of guys from Melbourne that we've mentioned. Consider how many we've picked. Pappy, Munster. Um, And then consider how many guys from South Sydney we've mentioned. I think the only one we mentioned was Campbell Graham as a smoky for centre. So uh, pretty evident there just how good Harry Grant has been. And I I even look at Damien Cook, and I've been saying this for a while. I mean yes, he is a great ball running nine, but I'm sorry you can't tell me Harry Grant isn't a better ball running nine. His ruck recognition, knowing when to run, it is second to none. He's got the kicking game, he's got the passing game, He can just do it all at the moment, Harry Grant. So for me, I think he has to be the next Kangaroos hooker, which is unfortunate. Um, for Damien Cook who has been so good for so long but it is what it is for me mate you mentioned Braley I think he's been sensational I did have Cook in my next top 5 or so a couple of other guys that I think have been really good one of them's from a good side Reid Marnie I think he's had a really good season especially the last few weeks they fucked around with him a little bit uh, playing 60 odd minutes when they were bringing Mitch Rain off the bench which was ridiculous I've now got him back there playing 80 he's done well Um, Reese Robson for the North Queensland Cowboys I think he's had a really good season I think credit to Todd Payton for just giving him the jersey. Uh, he's been kind of screwed around for the start of this year and last year with Jake Granbull, with Ruben Cotter in there. He's just given Reese Robson the keys at nine, and he's done sensationally well. And for me, mate, a guy that's in a team that's not doing too well but I think he's arguably been their best player so far this year is this year is Jeremy Marshall King from the Canterbury Bulldogs. Um, I think he's been a real shining light for the Doggies this year. Reed Marnie's arriving there next year, and he will undoubtedly be the starting nine. But, mate, there's a lot of clubs in the NRL that could really do with a decent hooker. And I think Jeremy Marshall King could fit the bill at a number of clubs next year.
0: Yeah, and hooker's such an important position. I think... Uh you look at the teams that are struggling this year and they hook as not as strong as some of the top four teams. And it's such an important position. It seems like such a simple role, but there's a lot that goes on there. One area I still have Cookie ahead of Harry Grant is defense. He's averaging Mm. 47 uh, tackles per game at 97% efficiency, whereas Grant's down at uh, 34 tackles, so 14 less at 93% efficiency, so less efficient. Uh, But again, I don't think that's enough for Cookie to keep the Kangaroos' nine, unfortunately. Blake Braley, another one I've got to give a shout-out to. Simple, He does a simple job there for the Sharks. He gets the ball to the men that need the ball, and he controls the game really well from the ruck there. Two simple um, elements of, uh, that he does so well. Wade Egan from the Warriors. I'm sure a lot of people are probably shaking their heads, saying that's not a good call there, Clarky but I do think he's been impressive. Um, and I thought, particularly in the last couple of weeks, he's really stepped up his game and is playing some great footy. And the other one's Reese Robson. Um, at the start of this year, there was the talk. Is Cotter your nine? Is, is Does Granville stay in the 14 and share minutes? Um, and how many minutes does Robson get there? And he has cemented that nine jersey at the Cowboys now. I looked back all the way to a few years ago when the Dragons let him go, and I just thought it was the wrong decision for them to do. You watched him play New South Wales Cup that year, and he was absolutely on fire. He is a quality number nine, and it's probably not too far out of the imagination to say that if Damien Cook, for some reason, was unavailable for State of Origin, you would heavily be considering Reese Robson for his work rate.
1: Mate, I remember when the Dragons let him go, and I said the same thing, this is going to be a mistake, and a heap of people pushed back. And my simple reasoning was that as the game moved forwards, Cam McInnes is not going to be a hooker. Uh, not only did he leave the Dragons, but he's not a hooker anymore. He's playing 13 now, which is where I anticipated Uh, he would end up... I think he's been great so far. And just another state you mentioned there, which I think is worth considering. Obviously, I'm a huge Harry Grant fanboy. 33 tackles to 45 per game. Think about the games that South Sydney are playing in compared to that of the Melbourne Storm... Um, if the Bunnies were scoring 70 points a game, I guarantee you Damien Cook's making less tackles per game. But the tackle efficiency, uh, there's no excuses there. No doubt that definitely falls away of Damien Cook so far this year. Made the last nine that I want to mention, Curaçao uh, I think that in a, in a Penrith Panthers side that has had Mitch Kenny, that has had Sonny Luke, a couple of other guys come onto this team, and he has just taken it on the chin. He's just been a great teammate, but when he is on the field, He's been unbelievable. I still remember round one against the Manly Seagulls. He absolutely cut them to pieces. And he's had a few games like that despite limited minutes. I think the only reason why Appy's playing limited minutes is because he's not going to be there next year, which makes sense for the Penrith Panthers to start to blood some guys. But if he was playing 80 minutes, I don't think he'd be ahead of Grant, but I think he could probably jump ahead of the rest of these guys on our list.
0: Yeah, to look at Appy Korosav's career in recent, um, the Manly Seagulls, I'm almost certain they regret letting him go now. Obviously, they couldn't predict the future with what occurred, but without a doubt, and particularly like you said, he he tore them up. They would regret it. The Panthers, he's been to two grand finals with them now, playing incredible football. But then the next stage of his career, signing with the Tigers, it's hard not to be excited if you're a Tigers fan. He is such a quality nine. He has been a quality nine for a number of years now, Uh, whether he's playing 80 minutes, whether he's sharing the minutes like he did at Manly and like he is at the Panthers now. And I think he hit the nail on the head. If he has signed long-term with the Panthers, he's an 80-minute hooker. But the Panthers do need to look to the future in a sense there so I can understand the decision. But Api Korosau is a top-three hooker in our game, without a doubt, in my
1: mind. Mate, whilst we are on hookers, and I have got you here, uh, the Gold Coast Titans obviously haven't been spoken about too much in this podcast Uh, What do you see moving forward with your nine jersey? You've obviously got Aaron Booth coming off the bench, uh, coming on the extender bench, Tana Boyd on the bench as well. Uh, Aaron Clark has done a decent job. I wouldn't say he's been great. Um, I'd say he's been good enough, but I wouldn't say he's been anything above that, to be honest with you. What would you do with your nine jersey moving forward?
0: Well, it's a scary thought because, as you said, Aaron Clark has done the job, but he's actually been one of our best players. And I think that sort of speaks to how much we are struggling at the moment. For me, I've always liked Aaron Clark in the 14 jersey because he grew up playing halfback. And I know it's different playing in the NRL, but I think if an emergency comes, I think you could plug Aaron Clark at centre, half, hooker and lock. So I think he adds a bit of versatility there. For me, I'd definitely be giving Aaron Booth a chance. I don't see what we stand to lose at this stage. We've got two wins all season. Those two wins were not impressive. They were two-point victories where we just got past the Warriors and, got pretty lucky at the end against the tigers and i know aaron booth probably isn't what a lot of people think in, you know he's not a world beater but he's been in this melbourne storm system he's been in the same system as cameron smith harry grant and brandon smith that's got to count for something right and in the context of our season and in the sense that we're not winning games i don't see what we lose starting aaron booth at nine and moving aaron clark to 14.
1: Has uh, has Booth played much Queensland Cup this year, I know he was injured to start the season. Has he come back and played a bit? I think he was playing for Burley this year. I I I think he was with. Have Have you been keeping an eye on that at all?
0: I haven't been keeping an eye on that. At, I'll try to find some. He's played three year.
1: games. Sorry, three games this year. Yeah, so he has got a little bit under his belt. Was he played uh, round one, round five, and round seven, yeah. So he's only played a maximum of 50 minutes in one of those games, but uh, his stats are all right. Yeah, uh, yeah one try, one minutes. try assist, yeah.
0: one line break assist, offload, 47 tackles at 87% efficiency. Yeah, look, these aren't stats that are screaming out to me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Um, Burley Bears have won all three games that he's played, but I just think when you add the context of where the Titans' season is at, they really don't stand to lose too much by giving him an opportunity at the least.
1: Yep, fair call. Mate, let's move to the second row forwards. Uh, Isaiah Papaliti, he's an automatic here for me. I assume he is for you too. Uh, He has been... Unbelievable this year. I was I was having a look at some stats the other day and lining them up to last year. He's actually going a little bit better this year than what he was last year. Um, obviously, last year, you've got to remember that he played a little bit as a front row forward, a little bit as a second row forward. Um, he was probably Parramatta's best at both. But this year, he's become a specialised second rower, and uh, I, I think he's playing... I was going to say, some some of the best footy he's ever played. It's definitely some of the best fucking footy he's ever played, no doubt about that. But I think he's um, head and shoulders above most guys in this competition at the moment.
0: Yeah, what we've seen here is a young Polynesian man, very comfortable in New Zealand around his family. Um, We spoke about it with Tom Dean as well. Took himself out of his comfort zone, moved to a new country, um, moved to new structures. And one thing that Brad Arthur also doesn't get enough credit for me is his ability to unlock his forwards. I think there's been a lot of forwards that have really improved under him. At the top of my mind, Sean Lane, Ryan Madison, Nathan Brown, these are players that when they came to the yields, they improved in their footy. Now, I want to add some context to these stats from Isaiah Papali'i. Payne Haas plays in the middle, Papali'i plays on an edge. Papali'i averages one less hit-up per game, 30 less metres roughly per game, and the same amount of tackles. So in the same amount of how much credit I gave to Payne Haas, I have to give the same amount of credit to Isaiah Papali'i. They are incredible stats. And again, they don't add the, they don't do justice to him because he does so much more than those stats as well for the Eels. I've just got to think if you're a Tigers fan, we just spoke about Appy Carousel going there next year. You've got to be licking your lips at, at the thought of Isaiah Papali playing with Jackson Hastings and Happy Carousel. That, is, that has got to be some serious excitement for Tigers fans, right?
1: Uh, mate, I, I haven't spoken to him about it, but I imagine that Jacko, he's obviously got Le Lua on his right edge at the moment, which is his strong side to play on. Uh, mate, the idea of upgrading to Isaiah Papali'i based on what he's done the last few years, uh, mate, that that could quickly become one of the most dangerous edges in rugby league. If you go Hastings at sevens, Brooks at six, Dane Laurie at the back, Adam Dewey at centre, Nofaluma out on the right wing with Isaiah Papali'i. At, on that right edge, mate, that is going to be scintillating on that edge.
0: It definitely gives a lot of attacking options for the Tigers. And you think that, you know, fans, when they heard two Alungis leaving, as is Luciano, they, they probably thought, oh my God, where are we at? And then to know that you're signing Isaiah Papalii, it is an incredible signing, such a smart signing. I would have loved to have seen Papalii stay with the Eels just for the story that I suppose they gave him an opportunity when only no one else was really interested in him in the NRL. Um, But I'm also really happy for Tigers fans.
1: Mate, let's move to our other second row spot. This one was a little bit harder for me. There was probably three or four names that I could have slid in here. Uh, But for me, this guy, he hasn't played every single game. He's been injured in a few. Olakawatu from the Manly Seagulls. Uh, He's just... He's he's one of the biggest guys in the league. He is intimidating. He has got an offload. He's shown he's got a little kicking game. He scores tries, running lines, off kicks. He just does it all. And as you know, we, we've spoken about him bloke in a bar the last few weeks. Defending outside DCE is a fucking nightmare. This guy. He makes it look pretty easy out there, Oluquatu. Uh, I think he's one of the premier back rowers in rugby league as it stands right now. And I think this Manly side, uh, you're going to see them look very different this week with him put back in there. I think one person that will be stoked Olokowatu's back will be Tommy Turbo because it will take so many eyes off him whenever he's coming down that right edge. Um, he can just do it all, Olokowatu. I'm such a huge fan of him.
0: I'm a huge fan as well, and I couldn't split him with another man who I think has been fantastic. Before I get to those, I just want to say I was very surprised yesterday to hear Brad Fittler come out and say that Sims and Tyson Frizzell are in contention for Murray's um, what will be a vacant back row spot for the Blues because the two men I'm about to mention are eligible for that position also. You mentioned him at first, Hamoli Olokowatu, incredible season, but Keon Kolomapangi has been really impressive for me at the Rabbitohs as well. I'd, if I had to split them, I might say Olakuwato is just ahead, um, but Kolumatangi is getting through a ton of work as well, and he's really built an underrated right edge there for the for the bunnies. When you think of him and Campbell Graham as the attacking options there, they probably maybe don't get the as much quality footy because Cody Walker is predominantly a left side player. But um, regardless of all that, I've still been very very impressed with Kolumatangi this year.
1: And I'll be honest with you, it didn't overly shock me that Brad Fittler came out and said that because he is a guy that he picks and he sticks and he'll back guys in. He's done that with Jack White and over the years. He picked Al as soon as he was available last year. But I'll tell you what, Oluwakuatu, I think he's been better than Colin Mutangi just by a little bit this year. Colo's been great. But I think if you were comparing these two and if I was looking at them, I'd be probably thinking that, you know what? Coleman Tungi can probably play as an edge and as a middle as well. So, I'd sort of be if I if I had to pick a bench spot for New South Wales between those two, I think I might lean towards Coleman Tungi despite uh Oluquato, I think being a better player this year, but both are flying. They were the two that I was having trouble separating. Mate, other second rowers that I've had my eyes on, um, he has been a little bit up and down, which is why I couldn't put him in this side. But when he's up, Viliami kick out this year, some of the shit that he's doing, obviously headline last week with a knock-on that he got away with. But the skill set that he has shown so far this season, I think there's a fair argument that he is the most skillful second rower in rugby league right now, which is crazy to consider when you just look at the size of him and what we've come to know of him over the last few years but i think credit has to go to Kickout out because he has absolutely worked his dick off on his ball handling um his awareness and everything so far this year whether it's the lines he runs the soft hands he shows he's just been able to do it all on that left edge for the Penrith panthers hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place
0: I've been so impressed with Kickout for so many years now, and I just want to quickly say so people can sort of understand the pain I experienced as a Titans fan. When Garth Brennan came across to our side a few years ago, he was the Panthers' uh, assistant coach in New South Wales Cup, and I started to hope, I, I thought, please bring across Billy Army Kickout out Instead, he brought across Bryce Cartwright, which we know didn't really work out the best. <clears throat> Other back rows that have impressed me this year has been Jai Arrow. I thought at yep. the start of the year, without a doubt, he's, he's a middle forward. I didn't see him sort of going too well on an edge. Liam Martin from the Panthers has really impressed me as well. Um, he's really increased his work rate, and I think it's really important when you consider they are losing kick out next year that Martin starts to spearhead himself as a prominent uh, player there. Luciano Leilua, um, I know whilst he's been playing, particularly the the Tigers weren't getting the results, but I thought his work rate in all of those games was really great, and until Jackson Hastings returned, I thought he was probably their best player One player guru that I'm sure a lot of people are sitting there thinking right now, why haven't you said him yet? Young Jeremiah Nanai from the North Queensland Cowboys. Now, I know he does a lot right, and I am a big fan. Correction, I'm a huge fan of him, and I do think he will play for the Maroons in the future, but I do want to point out a few stats. He is still very raw. He is averaging five missed tackles a game, which is the highest in the league, He is currently the most penalized player in the league. And he's also averaging one error per game. Now, those stats are obviously not a pretty picture. He does make up for it currently in a lot of ways with his fantastic attack. Uh, But I just wanted to sort of point those stats out as to why. I think he, he probably isn't ready for origin just yet. Would you agree
1: with that? Uh, mate, 100%. I've got seven names here. He's not one of them for those exact reasons. Uh, and it probably sounds like we've been a little bit harsh on Nanai, but that's the reality of his situation. When we're talking about the best of the best in the NRL, um, you can't be missing that many tackles and you can't have that many errors in your game that regularly. Um, yeah, I, I think he's been great, mate. I think he's he's young, obviously, and uh, this is all part of the development of being a first-grade second row, which is a very tough gig, and he will get there. Uh, but as it stands right now, I couldn't possibly have him in the list of these guys. Mate, I, I, I just said before, we haven't really mentioned the Titans. Mate, I reckon Beau Furmore has been sensational. He's a guy that does not get the credit he deserves. And to be honest with you, I thought he was a park footballer this time last year. I think he's one of the most improved players in this competition. You must be stoked with how he's going.
0: I am stoked and I was happy with the signing. Um, I believe it was 2017, he was the Jersey Slag player of the year for the Knights. So he did have a a fair bit of, um, I guess, potential coming through the lower grades. But it's not too far to actually, you know, suggest him as a Maroons player this year because David Feeder might not be fit for game one. That leaves your back row probably as Jai and Felice Cafusi. And then that leaves a spare spot on the bench for an edge player. I think you could probably have Ruben Cotter there for his versatility. Um, but if you wanted to have an out and out, strict edge player on the bench, I think Bo Firma is probably the leading option there for back row. It's, it's also, I'm, I'm not sure how people will perceive this, but he's been better than Dave Feeder, I think. Um, I think he definitely take, has, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I think you take away salaries and you take away that Dave Feeder has had a few incredible highlights. But just on the basis of consistency and hard work, I think that does just as much for the Titans, if not more than what Cedar offers with that X factor.
1: Yeah. Other second roles I had, mate. Uh, Britton Akora from the Cronulla Sharks. I think he's made a really good start to the season. His a guy on the other side, Teague Wilton, he's been sensational as well. Uh, mate, a guy that. I'm always very nervous about, but I think at Canterbury, he has played very well. Tavita Pango Jr., uh, I think he's had a couple of close calls with brain explosions that he's got away with, but that is TPJ. He's leading the competition for offloads, doing some very good things. And, mate, the other one that I think has been great, and I don't know where he lands next year, but fuck, he's going to be a signing for someone. You and Aiken for the New Zealand Warriors. Um, the Warriors going like an absolute bastard, but... I've been so impressed with his footy this year. He is a classy, classy guy and you've got to consider, what is it, round nine? I think he played seven games in the second row last year. Um, so you're looking at only his what's 15th, 16th game as a second row forward and he's absolutely killing it.
0: What's impressive most about you and Aitken is when we talk about a centre transitioning to the back row, we probably expect their attacking stats to be the focal point of attention, but for you and Aitken, it's actually been his defense. I think defensively he's been awesome this year. 323 tackles made at 96 efficiency, and he's only missed 15 in that time. Now, there was a game not too long ago. It was against the Raiders, yep. where he made 45 tackles and missed zero. Earlier this year, he's made 45 tackles, missed two. 40 tackles, missed one. These are huge defensive efforts, missing minimal tackles for a man that's typically maybe made 10 to 20 maybe, you know, around that in his career playing in the centre. So he's been absolutely superb this year. I think a lot of teams should be interested in him for his versatility. The fact you can plug him at centre or the back row and the fact that we're only starting to sort of scratch the surface of his potential at back row. And I just get the feeling that if I was the Melbourne Storm and Craig Bellamy, I'd, I'd be looking at that. I'd be going, okay, we've lost Kenny Bromwich, we've lost Felice Cthusi. We've signed Tarek Sims. That's a nice veteran. Let's sign someone like you and Aiken as well to plug that gap. I'm confident I can get some really great footy out of him.
1: And, mate, just a few things on you and Aiken. It's funny, you know, like I remember watching him play centre at the Dragons for years and just going, fuck, this bloke doesn't pass the ball, but he doesn't miss a tackle. So it's almost worth keeping there. I mean, he had second rail written on his forehead for so many years. It's a shock that it took this long. The other thing I would say about Aiken, and you made a really good point there, you know, he makes 40 tackles, he misses one. And I think that. We talk about those sort of stats so much that um, it's sort of become a bit of a norm in first grade, but you've got to consider that the vast majority of guys, when we talk about that stat, like I know Alex Twole is one that Denham brings up every single week, and it's incredibly impressive, but the difference is that Twoll is in the Middle he's tackling, other front row forwards that are coming straight at him, there's not much variation to their game. It's still impressive, don't get me wrong, but when you're you and Aiken and you're making 45, those aren't 45 just ball and all tackles. Those are 45 decision-making tackles where teams are running entire sets to work shape coming at your edge. And they're trying to fool you. They're trying to pull you out defensively and get you off balance and get you in a wrong spot. And for him to be defending the way he is in that team... I think it's incredible because it isn't, you're not comparing apples and apples when you compare some of these middles and how many they make and how many they miss when you compare it to edge players who are making decision tackles, which is where it really counts.
0: Yeah, really important to add the context to that. And as you said, you summed it up perfectly. You and Ake and the tackles that he's making, they are very, very important in the context of a game. If he gets them wrong as well, we're talking about a line break which could be leading to a try. Whereas someone in the middle, if they're missing a tackle or not winning their tackle, we might be talking about an offload or or potentially another couple metres. So really important to have the context like you did there.
1: Mate, second row forwards, an absolute heap of them. Very happy with how that one went. Let's move to the lock forward category. I've got a pretty obvious one here. He's been a standout for me all season. I assume you've got the same guy. Who's your third aim?
0: Yeah, uh, I don't suspect we'll have anyone different here. Isaiah, yo. Um, I started to look through the stats and, to be honest, they don't do enough. They they don't tell the picture. The the picture is that he is the glue that holds this Panthers middle together. Everything they do in the middle and when they do spread it wide, everything starts with him. And then it goes to you Nathan Clearys and your Jerome Lewis. And what it does is it, it gives the Panthers' spine, particularly the halves extra time and extra space to make these key decisions which lead to the impressive attack and, and tries and highlights that we see so often from the Panthers so Jose, incredible what he does in attack, in defence, he doesn't miss many tackles and he gets through a load of work without a doubt he has found his home at locks he is the best lock in rugby league at the moment no other lock really adds the same value that he does, there's others that are close which we'll get to later but I'm I'm more than comfortable in making a statement here. He's the best lock in rugby league at the moment.
1: Yeah, mate, not much more I can add to what you've said there. Uh, you know, he's his ball playing, which you talk about a lot, is sensational. His defence is great, he's he's sort of got that lanky sort of body type, a little bit different to a lot of other thirteens in rugby league where he's so tall that you need to wrap the ball up, or he will offload, or he'll ball play at the line. But as soon as you wrap the top up, he's just—he's got so much power through his legs and his ass, and he's such a tall guy that he just pushes post contact meters. It's crazy, you know. We, we consider him a real silky sort of ball player, uh, you know, a, a, a fifth guy in your spine, which he is. But mate, when you see him take that hit up where he wedges in between the A and and the markers, and he just rolls for an extra six or seven meters every time he does it, I just sit up and go. Fuck, I forget how good this guy is sometimes, despite talking behind a mic about rugby league and about him so much every single week. There's still little things he does every week where I just sit there and go, fuck, This guy's always better than what I anticipate he will be, despite me holding him in such high regard. He's an incredible player. Isaiah Yo, mate, as far as other lock forwards go, I think Cam Murray's been great for the South Sydney Rabbitohs this year. Uh, Probably the two best lock forwards in rugby league as it stands right now. Some other guys that I've been really impressed with to start the season. Uh, One of them, he's a little bit more unorthodox compared to the rest of the guys we're going to talk about, but I thought at the start of the season he was great. He's been out for a couple of weeks. Kurt Mann, the role that he played for Newcastle to start the season, I really do think that the injury to Kurt Mann uh, has been a little bit undervalued as far as what's happened in Newcastle's season. The start to his season was incredible.
0: I think you're right. He found a home in the middle, right? And when we talk about Kurt Mann, the first thing we think is versatility, right? He can play anywhere, but in the modern game, with his ball-making ability, uh, it just made so much sense for him to play in the middle there and just one more thing on isaiah yo before i move on i've actually got up his positions here from the rugby league project he has played 24 at center 90 at back row and 66 at lock so wow. it's crazy to think that he has more room to actually improve in this position because he's played others more often than he's played lock Man. and I, ju- I just wanted to add that as well
1: Man, I, I, I think it's quite often forgotten that a couple of years ago, he was just a handy guy to have on your bench because he could cover the second row and he could cover center. He was very, you know, Kurt Capewell was a very similar player probably three or four years ago, and we've always had them in rugby league, these guys that can cover in the pack or out in the backs, you know, your Benny Smith, your Mitch Orbison's, these sort of guys. But it's not very often that these guys go from those players to one of the premier ball players in rugby league he might not have 7 or 6 on his back but he is a premier ball player in rugby league and he's such a key cog for the Penrith Panthers and how they play so wide and expansive on all their plays because their halfbacks are standing 15 20 meters further away from the ruck than where every other team team's halves need to stand uh mate i i can't really say much more about Isaiah. Yeah, i I I probably don't think that we need to either he's just been such a good player for the last three or four years there. He's been incredible. I remember I had Nathan Cleary on the podcast the start of the year, and I said, gun to your head, you had to pick one of them, Isaiah Yo or Happy Curacao and um, he sort of couldn't pick. And I think by the end of it, uh, I, I I think he couldn't pick because he he, he he was trying to be nice and polite and everything, but I think you could hear in his voice at the end of it, he was sort of thinking about it, going, fuck, if I didn't have Isaiah Yo." I'd be in some serious fucking curry. So, a champion player, Isaiah. Uh, other 13s that I've really liked. Another one that's been injured the last few weeks, similar to Kurt Man, but I thought he started the season incredibly well, was Josh Curran from over there at the New Zealand Warriors. Um, I think that when he returns, he has to be in the 13 jersey, and I think they have to keep Toe Harris on an edge. What are your thoughts on Curran?
0: Yeah, I'd agree. He, he plays sort of uh, a similar sort of style to like Cameron Murray or Isaiah, you know, where he, he does a lot of the glue work in the middle for the Warriors and that allows Adam Fenua Blake to be expansive, like you said, and I do think they will have to move Tony Harris to an edge to sort of accommodate for that. Other locks that have impressed me was Cameron McKinnis, yep. Reuben Cotter, and Alex Twelve. I think all three of them, for different reasons, have been really, really impressive for their sides this year.
1: I think another two guys that uh, probably haven't got the recognition they deserve. First one, he never gets a recognition, Jake Travojevic. Uh, I think he's played really well this season, been really strong. The other one, as much as I don't think he's suited to the 13 jersey, it's the role that he's been told to play for his team, and I think that he's done it to the best of his abilities, is Josh Jackson. Uh, he has just been tackling the house down over the last few weeks. As I said, I don't think he is the 13 that they probably need, uh, but in the position he's been forced to play, I think he's done a sensational job. You mentioned Ruben Cotter there. Uh, He is just going all guns blazing this year. Thankfully, and hopefully, touch wood, uh, he stays injury-free over the next few weeks, and hopefully we can see him grab a Maroons jersey because he definitely deserves it.
0: Yeah, just on the Josh Jackson thing as well, it is quite strange because for me there's there's better options for that 13 jersey, but he's definitely making the most of it. I think now you probably have to shift him to proper. I'd probably like to see someone like maybe a Jackson Tapane or someone like that move into the 13 jersey. There's just better options for the 13, but Josh Jackson is such a workhorse and such a weapon that he makes the most of it regardless.
1: G'day guys, make sure you tune in tonight, we're going to drop our little 10 or 15 minute chat about the best coaches in Rugby League so far in 2022 a really interesting chat, deep dive into 5 or 6 of the best coaches in the NRL so far this season and if you haven't already listened earlier today, myself and Dane, we spoke about the best backline in Rugby League so far in 2022 going through every single position fullback, wing, centre 5, 8 and 7, Figure out the best of the best and the best of the rest.